The series I Am is a series on the compound and redemptive names of God. And the first uh, name that Pastor Todd talked about in week one was Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my victory. Uh, The second name he talked about in week two was Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord, my provider. The next name Pastor talked about was Jehovah Makedish, which means the Lord is my sanctifier. And then last week, he talked about Jehovah Rafi, which is translated, the Lord, my healer, as we prayed. And I believe people got healed last week as we prayed for both physical, mission, uh, emotional, and mental healing. So today in, in, in Psalm 23, King David describes another attribute of God. So let's read it to find a name that we'll be talking about today. And of course, this is a very, very popular scripture uh, read at, at most funerals. Matter of fact, I did a, a memorial service here Tuesday and, and they said that, that this was his favorite scripture. And I read this scripture um, uh, Tuesday, but I'm going to just read the first verse where we get our name. Psalm 23, 1, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You may know this psalm already and you may be very familiar with it, but I want to encourage you this morning, before we go any further, not to let your familiarity of, of, this, of this psalm and this name uh, mess you up from getting the fullness of the meaning of it. Of course, it begins with the Lord is my shepherd. In the name Lord, of course, as all these names know, it's translated in Hebrew, shepherd, uh, the Lord is Jehovah, the self-revealing one. The Hebrew word for shepherd is the word rahi, which means ten to pastor or to shepherd. So this morning we're going to talk about Jehovah Rahi, the Lord, my shepherd. Now, you know, I, I read about uh, an, an, a scene I was, I was reading and, and, and came across this guy talking about a scene in, um, in one of the old Superman movies. How many of y'all, I know, by the way, we have, it's fifth Sunday, so we have our children with us today. Why don't, why don't we give it up for all of our children that are in here today? And I don't know how many of you uh, adults as kids or your kids like superhero movies, but there was a, a, one of the, the Superman movies where there was this guy and he was in this, this blazing inferno in a building. He was in this fire. Superman scoops down, uh, snatches him up and, and, and rescues him and he's flying through the air. And as he's, as he's, he's rescuing the man, the, the man begins trembling and becomes afraid. And Superman asked him, what's wrong? The guy said, I'm afraid. I'm way up here. And if I fall, I'm going to die. Of course, this man's concerns was legitimate, right? Some of y'all that fly in planes right now have that same concern, right? But in response, Superman says this, do you think I have enough power to save you from the fire, but not enough power to safely take you home? You know, this illustrates what some believers, I, I think, think today and may be dealing with today. We believe that the Lord can save us from the fire of hell, but don't believe that he can safely walk us through this life to take us home. Now, that might be you today, and you might not publicly want to admit that, but if that's you, this message is just for you. We find in this psalm that it has the power to change our lives. When King David wrote this psalm, he was probably recounting his years as a shepherd. As we know, long before David was a king, he was a shepherd tending the sheep of his father. David remember what it meant to tend sheep and recognize similarities in the way God had tended to him over the years. So he used that time to give us the most beautiful and practical pieces of poetry and scripture that we know as Psalm 23. We often skim past these first five verses, but to fully grasp it, what is contained, let's slowly look at what David was saying. Notice he uses the present tense in the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord was my shepherd. He's by saying the Lord is my shepherd. He's placing God as in present tense, acknowledging God's responsibility for him. 
And as parents, we have our children here. We know that we have a responsibility to our children, right? And that no matter how much they mess up, no matter what they do, we still have a responsibility. They're ours, right? We own them. We look after them. And, 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 and David understood that. The Lord is my shepherd. He is present. Then he says, per, he uses the personal pronoun, my. In other words, he was letting us know that God is a personal shepherd. God's interested in the whole flock, the whole group. But he's also interested and, and, and is very intricately involved in the individual sheep. The Lord is a personal shepherd, a right now God. In the, re, in the remainder of this psalm, David explores the different ways that shepherds take care of sheep and how God takes care of us. So to help us grasp this name of God, Jehovah Rahi, let's spend the remainder of our time together walking through this powerful and practical psalm. We're going to go through it verse by verse. So number one, our shepherd tends to our needs. Now, I know we talked about Jehovah Jireh in week two, God is our provider, uh, but, but I want to look at it for a little bit different with some additional uh, meaning to it. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Now, a lot of translations say, I shall not want. I know my wife has a t-shirt that has the scripture on it. We went to a Shane and Shane uh, uh, Christmas concert back in December, and, and, and he was wearing the shirt and it says, I shall not want. That's a popular, but I, I like the way the New Living, and I think the way the New Living translates it is more accurate of what David was trying to say. I have all that I need, because he knew his shepherd would tend to all of his needs. You won't believe that the Lord will tend to your needs or even as a personal shepherd for you to walk you through this life unless you know what kind of shepherd he is. Remember, the whole, the, the whole thing about this, this uh, series is to, to break down the attributes and the character of the Lord. We don't want to just give you some Hebrew names of God and whatnot. We want to show you God's character. So you got to know his character to understand what kind of shepherd he is. Jesus makes it clear to us in John 10, 14, what kind of shepherd he is. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So it wasn't even just David referring to him as, as a sheep and as a shepherd. Jesus says the same thing. Now look at John 10, 15. And I lay down my life for the sheep. See, we got to understand and look at the good shepherd as, as the one that still is willing to and will always be willing to give his all for us. If he was willing to lay down a life for us, he's willing to give his all for us each and every day. So again, in order for you to see the Lord as a shepherd, you must first recognize yourself as a sheep. Now, that's not like a very popular animal to be relating to. You know, we want to be related to as like, uh, I don't know, Pastor Eric, like a tiger maybe or something like a very ferocious animal. That, that doesn't sit well with you. Or like a, I'm making Pastor Rob laugh over here, you know. And so, or I don't know, a lion. My, my, my girls, they like big cats or the wolves and, and whatnot, you know, uh, the, these, these big, beautiful, majestic animals. But the Bible refers to us as sheep. You never, speaking, I'm, I'm picking on Pastor Eric because, you know, he's the, the pastor there, Kai Alpha, and the chaplain for the UL uh, football team. And, and uh, you know, but you don't ever, have you ever heard of a sports team called like the, the, the mighty sheep, the ferocious sheep? Never, right? Like I don't, I, I mean, if you have, let me know. But I mean, we've never heard of that, you know. Sheep is not a popular thing, but you have, we have to understand that we, that, that we are in likening the spiritual realm to sheep. 
The first thing, let's look at that a little bit. The first thing you need to know about sheep is that they're not the most intelligent animals. You might know that. You probably know that already. But I, I read some couple interesting things. Like one, if a sheep starts walking around in a circle, another sheep will begin to follow it. And then another one until the whole flock is walking in a circle, all the while they think they're going somewhere. True story. They, that, they'll do that. They'll follow and just like, oh, look, you know, Ralph's going over here. Let's follow Ralph. And then Ralph will walk, and then Billy will find it all the way. And they're, they're walking in a circle. They're not going anywhere. And, you know, not only does David and Jesus refer to us, the prophet Isaiah refers to us as sheep too. And when you get this in the natural, that this is what sheep do, listen to what Isaiah says about us spiritually. Isaiah 53, 6, he said, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. All of us have have turned off and either followed somebody else in a circle or in a ditch, or maybe we're the, the first sheep leading some ourselves or somebody else that way. So we need to know that. You know, sheep are also defenseless. They're easy prey. When a wolf, a coyote, a hyena, or any other predator approaches the sheep, the sheep has already lost because it has no ability to fight. Sheep are very, very defenseless. And listen, as we were just worshiping and singing, this is how we fight our battles. It's the same with us. We can't try to fight the enemy on our own. We're defenseless without the Holy Spirit, the power of God in us. And think about that story in Acts. There were some guys, the seven sons of Sceva, and they tried to fight a natural, a, a spiritual battle in the natural. And the Bible says that the enemy jumped on them, beat them up, and ran them off naked. And that's what happened. That's in your Bible. You can read it in the book of Acts. But that's a good picture of what happens if we try to defend ourselves in the natural to a spiritual enemy. That's why as well we liken that sheep. Now, this was one that, that really stuck out to me. Sheep are also dirty and can't clean themselves. They have a thick coat that collects dirt and debris and hose in sweat. Yeah, they have no way of cleaning themselves up. Like we were talking about cats and stuff. You often see cats grooming each other or grooming themselves or different animals, you know, helping each other pick bugs and stuff. Sheep can't do that. They're dirty and they can't clean themselves up just like us. We're all filthy or have been filthy with the stain of sin in our lives. And no matter how hard we try, we can't clean ourselves up. Only the blood of Jesus can truly clean us up. That's why Jesus said he's a good shepherd and he laid down his life for his sheep. He laid down his life on the cross to shed his blood so we can be clean from the sin, the stain and the sweat of sin, so to speak, right? And finally, sheep are very dependent. They have to be led by a shepherd or they're going to, or they're not going to go anywhere at all. Like I said earlier, they're directionally challenged. They don't know which way to go or even that they are, that they have to go at all. Sheep don't even know that they have to move. They'll eat up all the grass in one pasture and just sit there like, okay, well, they, you have to move them along. And so are you encouraged yet about what the, what the Lord likens us to? So when David says that his shepherd, the Lord, has met all his needs, he was referring, of course, to a whole lot of needs. And like I said, Pastor Todd talked about Jehovah Jireh and really got into that. But these are needs like direction, defense, cleanliness, spiritually speaking, independence, just to name a few. So I got a question for you. Are you depending on the Lord for all of your needs or are you trying to, to supply them yourself? Are you trying to meet your own needs yourself? You know, like doing this memorial service, I, I thought about this first service, but I didn't share it. As I shared every, every funeral service I do, I use the example like when my dad passed away when I was 19, I didn't know the Lord. I wasn't saved. And so I just tried to 
I tried to heal myself or fix the, the turmoil I was going in for, by tragically losing my dad at 19 with, with more drugs and alcohol and living that lifestyle. And, and, and you can about imagine how that worked out, right? It, it didn't, I didn't get healed. I didn't get comforted. It just made it worse. Well, years later, my brother also tragically passed away, and I knew the Lord at this time. I was walking with the Lord. Matter of fact, we were going through a time of prayer and fasting here. And you know what? I, I looked to the Lord to fulfill the need that I had of the, 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 the pain that I was in, you know, that, that, that the morning I was in. When he said he had turned your morning into dancing and sorrow into joy, I understand what that means. I went to the Lord to look to me, that he's our merciful father, and he's the source of all comfort. He will tend to every need we have. Spiritual, mental, relational, physical, whatever it may be, the Lord is our shepherd. Amen? Number two, our shepherd restores us. Our shepherd restores us. Psalm 23, 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Maybe today, maybe you've lost your passion for the Lord. Maybe you're hurting, confused, frustrated. Or maybe you feel lost. Maybe you've lost your joy or your peace. Maybe you say, man, I don't remember the last time I had peace in my life. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe, like as I said, we prayed for a few families earlier just recently that had some, some loved ones, lost a spouse. Mr. John lost his wife. Uh, Miss Tina lost her husband this, you know, this week. And, and, you know, or maybe you just heartbreak. Maybe you're hurting or reeling from a divorce or, 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 or whatnot. Or, or just, I don't know, some kind of pain, some kind of, some kind of deep agony you're going through. David explains how the Lord, your shepherd, restores your soul. First, he says this. He makes you lie down in green pastures. Now, keep in mind in this passage, listen to what he says. It doesn't say that God asked him to lay down or suggest that he lay down. Remember, he's talking to sheep here. It says God makes us lie down. He may put you in a situation or allow a situation to cause you to be completely dependent upon him. He may make you. Lay down. Let me, let me give you a, a better example. And I, as I was preparing this Friday, I didn't even think about that our children, most of our children would be in here. But those of us that are parents are, if you maybe, you know, you have like a, I don't know, little brother, sister, niece or nephew, or maybe you've done any babysitting. You know when it's time to like put a toddler down for a nap? That doesn't always go so easily, does it? Right? A toddler can be tired as all get out, and you know they're tired, right? They rub, they're crying, they're rubbing their eyes and, and whatnot. Even, even my kids, as they got older, I would, uh, they would yawn and say, hey, you, you tired? Oh, no, I'm, I'm yawning because I'm hungry. I was like, really? That, those two things don't correlate because they know the next question is going to say, you know, you need to go take a nap or it's time for bed or something. You know, but think about that, you know? Uh, and, and by the way, you ever notice, even not only toddlers, but older kids, did you, have you noticed that when you try to put your children down, they either, thirsty, they have some deep theological question they want to talk to you about, or something's hurting on their body. Matter of fact, somebody said, why is it that when I try to put my kids down, that they all turn into dehydrated philosophers that need to go to the emergency room, <laughs> right? And it's so true. I read that. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so true. My three girls are looking at me like that, you know, so, but it's true. I think that's, it's not just them. It's every child. It's the point being that we have to make them go lie down, right? We have to make them go to bed. And why is that? We're not making them lie down because we're being mean to them, are we? No, we're making them lie down because we know they need it. We want them to rest, to recover, and to be renewed, right? So see, when God makes us lie down, you know, he causes us to lie down in the greenest pastures because he knows we need that rest. 
We need that recovery, maybe need that healing. You know, and in our vernacular, of course, as humans, what David would be saying was that he gives us the softest mattress and the fluffiest pillow, right? Because he longs to see you rest and get recovered and get renewed, you know? You know, I was thinking about this this morning as I was reading in my daily time. This popped out to me. This is the main reason for the Sabbath. Look what Jesus said in Mark 27, 227. I'm sorry. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The whole point of the Sabbath is so we can get rest, so we can be renewed, so we can get refreshed, right? It's not to have another thing, to, a law to get. I mean, it's important because the Lord knew we would need this. You know, and I'm not just talking about physically. Yes, you need to rest physically. You need to take a day off of work. But man, to, to get renewed in your mind and your spirit, you know. And so, and, and people have, have made that a big religious law thing. Like this day, you got to do this. You can't do this. I don't think that's what it's about. To me, every day is a holy day. I don't know about you. I worship the Lord every day. It's not just the day. Well, that's the day to go worship, man. I, I worship every day. Every day is a holy day to me, right? But we need to take a day or a time off to be able to get renewed. We all need to rest, recover, get refreshed, and get renewed. Next, David tells us that Jehovah Rahi leads him beside still waters. In other words, it's not running waters. And listen to the, 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 uh, about sheep again and why he says this. Sheep won't drink from running water. The shepherd is aware that sheep aren't sure-footed, and if they wander into running water, they'll spend their time and energy trying to stay upright rather than drinking. Many will lose their balance and will fall in. With their thick wool quickly soaking up the water, they will soon be pulled under. And sheep, so the sheep need to drink from still water. See, when we rest in the Lord, our shepherd, he leads us into environments. I'll say environments of his presence that we can handle, that we can drink from. He provides green grass and still water for us to drink from. That's what's important, again, about being in the presence of the Lord. Because you're drinking spiritually from the waters, the living waters, the Bible says. When we get into worship, when you get alone before the Lord, your soul and your spirit's getting revived. We rest, we go to sleep, and that's important. Pastor Tata said numerous times, taking a nap is one of the most spiritual things you can do sometimes. Can I get a witness? Amen? I know a lot of y'all looking at me like, that's what I'm going to do this afternoon, you know? And that's good. And that's for your body, but your spirit needs to be refreshed as well. And when you get into the presence of the Lord through worship, through prayer, through the word, your spirit is drinking from the still waters that he provides. Listen, like a cell phone or like an iPad, you know, get batteries get low and their batteries die. We can become spiritually drained from life's challenges. And we need our souls to be recharged or restored so we can function as God intended. But you don't discover the blessing and the rest of still waters as long, again, as you remain self-sufficient. As long as you think you can fix your problems and as long as you wander off on your own, on your own path, your soul's not, not going to get restored. We can't restore our own souls because we didn't make our souls. God knows your soul, your spirit, your whole being way better than you do. Listen, he wants you to realize that if he doesn't restore your soul, it won't be restored. If the Lord doesn't empower you, it won't be empowered. Amen? We need to let him restore our souls. Number three, our shepherd leads us. Psalm 23, 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Now, most of us have uh, navigational, uh, all smartphones have a navigational system in our phone or maybe in your vehicle, right? And, and we know that a GPS, what it does is the satellites all over the planet that takes pictures and has imagery of everything, almost every landscape on the entire earth. And it can, it can view the landscape and tell you where you're located and where you're going. Now, think about this. If mankind can create machines that can see everything, Surely the God of the universe who created everything knows the location of everything he created and can guide us where we need to go, right? If these things can guide us to where we need to go, the Lord can lead us, can guide us to where we need to go. David writes that Jehovah Rahi guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He is our personal navigation system. See, a shepherd needs to guide his sheep because sheep are prone to wonder, as we said earlier. They will regularly take the wrong route and get lost. Like most men before GPS, when their wife would say, honey, ask for direction. No, I know how to get there. Most men will wander off and get lost, right? The wives are shaking their head, yes, and the men are looking at me like they're mad at me. Let me ask you this question. How many of us have ignored God's direction for our life? And maybe wandered off and got on the wrong path. Maybe took the wrong directions. Maybe you got directions from the wrong sources like family, friends, media, maybe the culture, and maybe even yourself. And you wander off. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, Brandon, you know, I feel like I'm not on the right path. I'm sitting here in church this morning, but I know there's somewhere that God wants me or wants me to go. And I'm, I'm not going in that direction. I got off path somewhere. I took the wrong turn. You know, the cool thing about a GPS, which most of us know, is that if you take the wrong turn, if you get all the way in the left lane to take a right and you get on the wrong turn, then what happens is, you know, you're going to get lost. But the cool thing about a GPS is that, what does it say? Recalculating or recalibrating, rerouting, the, I think the iPhone says. It's, it's rerouting or get you back where you need to go. You know, the Lord is way more amazing than the, the best GPS system in the world. He can recalibrate our location in life now and lead us on the path that will take us where he wanted us to go in the first place. You know, because those phones, sometimes it's, it's, it's user error and sometimes it's uh, just the devices. You know, like, two, like a few years ago, I was in St. Louis for a conference and um, back then I think I had a Blackberry. See, like my kids probably don't, like, what's a Blackberry? What, what is that? That's probably like an A-track to our kids nowadays, you know. So, so and I had, the, I had the, 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 the navigation device all week long from the airport to the church, church to the restaurants. Uh, uh, I went sightseeing on the last day when the conference was over. It worked fine the whole time. The day I had to leave to catch my plane, it took me to like some remote place. It had a glitch in it. I'm like, really, where I got uh, to um, you know, catch, catch my plane? It, it glitched. But the Lord never glitches on us. His service never goes out, right? He, he, didn't, he knows how to recalibrate. So if you're in that place right now, listen, my wife, I remember my wife talking about this years ago. She said, you know, I believe some people are just on a detour. I love this scripture that says God's giftings and his callings can never be withdrawn. I believe every person is called, has gifted, has a destiny in their life. And I believe some of you in here maybe have gone off the path to get you to your destiny. And you know what? You might be on a detour. But the good news is if you tap in to our personal navigation device, being the Holy Spirit, he can get you there. Now, given when you get off the path, detours take longer to get to your destination, right? Usually when you detour, it takes longer to get there 
The roads may be a little more bumpy and the scenery is not going to look the same. But I believe if you surrender to the Lord, he will get you to the destination he intended for you in the first place. Amen. Number four, our shepherd protects us and comforts us. Psalm 23, 4. This is probably my favorite verse of the whole psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Some translations say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A valley is a low place between mountains. It's often a place of vulnerability. Things that seek to derail us or harm us uh, in some way are usually lurking in the valleys of life. David assures us in the psalm that even the darkest valleys of life, the Lord, our shepherd, provides comfort again through his presence. You know, almost everyone wants to live on the mountaintop. It's nice living on the mountaintop, right? When you're on the mountaintop, you're on the top of the world. Your job is good. Your health is good. Your family's good. Finance is good. Your faith is good. It's all good when you're living on the mountaintop, right? Everybody loves living there. But one thing about mountains is true. You can't go from one mountaintop to the other mountaintop without going through a valley. There's valleys that separate mountaintops. You can't jump from one mountain to another. It doesn't work that way. So life is a series of mountains and valleys. Even though valleys are inevitable in life, there's good news. A valley reminds us there's another mountain right up ahead, right? That's why David penned, even though I walk through the valley. Doug, if you don't mind putting that up, this is the key word in this scripture, the word through. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. Listen, he didn't say, even though I sit down and whine in the valley. Or in Cajun country, would be, even though I don't, I don't, he didn't say, I, even though I, I, I boo day in the valley, the Lord is with me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm walking, he said, even though I walk through it, I'm in a valley, but I'm going through it. You, you don't camp out in valleys. Valleys aren't a good place to pitch your tent. If it rains hard, you're going to get flooded in the valley. Right, Commander David? It's not a good place to be. We're not intended to camp out in the valley or spend a lot of time in the valley. We're going to go through valleys, but that's the key. We're going to go through them, or we need to go through them. In order to get to the next mountain, you must walk through. You need to keep moving because it's the only way out. Going back with with real-life sheep, when the sun slips behind a mountain on either side of the valley... Hills cast shadows. Sheep aren't very intelligent, as we mentioned earlier, so they might think the shadows indicate that nighttime was, is approaching and they might become afraid. Nighttime is when foxes, wolves, hyenas, all these predators uh, would attack sheep, and this, of course, gets the sheep scared. But the shepherd continually guides the sheep to keep going even though they might be afraid as the shadows seem to close in on them. When God allows you to be in the dark, remember that God does some of his best work in these times of life. The mountaintops are great and they're awesome, but it's in the valley where the Lord can really do some of the deepest work in our lives. He guides us in dark times and you can actually see him more clearly if you focus on him. I read about a story of a man that took his son to the zoo and when they got to the to the, the cage with the lions, the lion let out a big old roar. And when the lion let out this roar, this little boy took off running. And he said, run, daddy, run. And he's taking off and he don't sense his dad behind him. So he stops and he looks and his dad's just standing there with a look of peace on his face. And he said, daddy, why are you not running? He said, because, son, the, the, the lion can't harm us. He said, he's in a cage. You see, fear is dictated by what you're looking at. Are you looking at the lion or are you looking at the cage? 
When you walk through the valleys of life, let me ask you a question. Or if you're in one right now, are you looking at the shepherd or are you looking at the shadows? And that's what we have to ask yourself. I will say this. If you're going through a valley or when you go through the valley, if the overwhelming feeling, you're going to be scared, you're going to be fearful. If your overwhelming feeling is fear, you're probably focusing on the, probably focusing on the shadow instead of the shepherd. Keep your eyes on the shepherd. Just like a sheep that sees it dark, it look, he thinks it's dark outside. You see, and just that's why the, the Lord's not trying to, you know, uh, make fun of us by calling the sheep. But the truth is, sheep don't have the comprehension and can't understand it's just shadows and it's not nighttime. The Bible says we see through the, the, through the glass dimly. We can't see everything that's going on in the spiritual realm. We can't see everything that the Lord's doing in our life. So we just got to stay focused on him and not the shadows in the valley. And that's going to help us to get through them. Amen? Don't let fear overcome you in the valley. The shepherd's rod and staff will protect you and comfort you. A shepherd used his or uses his rod to fend off enemies or attacks like from predators. And his staff is to lead the sheep and to pull up a sheep out of like a hole that he falls in out of a thicket that he gets trapped in. Let me say this. You're safer in a dark valley with the Lord than you are on a mountaintop by yourself. Amen. It's better to be in that valley with, with the good shepherd right next to you leading you than being on a mountaintop all by yourself. And the fifth and final thing is our shepherd anoints us and blesses us. Psalm 23.5 says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. You know, sheep get tormented by nose flies, gnats, uh, mosquitoes, and other tiny insects. They become agitated and aggravated and will quit eating altogether. They'll just give up on eating because they're so aggravated with, with all these insects that are, that are pestering them. So what the shepherd does is the shepherd will take some kind of salve or an oil and, and, and rub it into the sheep's head and massage it into his nostrils and stuff to cure the problem of, of these gnats and whatnot. You know, for us in life, there's things in life that de like demons that will try to torment us are people that will try to agitate and aggravate us. And I'm not going to say try. Some people do just straight up agitate and aggravate us, right? Right? Okay, just like the first service, there's like three people that said yes. So I'm going to come hang out with the people you hang out with. If you don't ever get agitated or aggravated with people. That's just life, right? Right? I know I aggravate people. You know, ask my wife. I'm sure she can tell you that. You know, she needs a greater anointing to deal with me, right? But that's what the Lord does. He, he anoints us. See, David had many enemies. David penned a song. And we know David had enemies from his spiritual father, King Saul to his own son and everywhere in between that were trying to kill him and trying to take him out. How did David deal with this? David made big mistakes. He failed. How was David able to overcome the aggravation, the, 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 the agitation, the torment, so to speak, of what was going on in his life? I believe David had a great anointing on his life. That's why the Lord said that he was a man after his own heart. Way before he penned this psalm as a king, he was a shepherd boy worshiping in the pasture. So we need an increase of God's anointing in our life. We need to ask the Lord to continue anointing, which is, by the way, it's God's power. It's his Holy Spirit in our lives in a greater way. The anointing also is to bring healing in our lives, as we talked about earlier. You might, be, you might need a healing in your body, in, in your heart, in your emotions, in your mind, in a relationship. The anointing, listen, the Bible says that it's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke. 
You might have some kind of bondage in your life, some kind of stronghold, some kind of uh, a clash in a, a relationship in your marriage with your children. Listen, there's a lot of practical things we can do, but it's the anointing that'll get you through it. It is the anointing of God that'll change that thing, that'll turn it around. It's also to empower us to do what God calls us to do. We need an anointing if we're going to do what God's called us to do. The destiny he has for us. As Pastor Brady was talking about, you know, for kids camp, the volunteers, our serve team members. You know, as all these guys serving, look, all the ushers on the back walls, everybody serving all around campus in the sound booth, worship team, the nursery, you know, all across this campus, next steps class we're about to go into. Anything we do, you might think, oh, yeah, I'll come help, you know, put together some hot dogs for these kids and have fun and ride around with them. Listen. Whatever you do, even if it's kids camp, you're dealing with children, you need an anointing to do that. You know, Pastor Dixie's shaking her head. She was a children's pastor for many years. Whatever you do for the Lord, whether you're dealing with little children or wrapping hot dogs, you need to, you need an anointing. That, that, that's, and everything in between. God anoints us to do what he's called us to do. And also, the anointing releases supernatural favor and blessings in your life. And I love how it's not just the little blessings. He says, my cup overflows with blessings, right? I love that. God's an overflowing God. He don't do things, you know, on just a little. God's not on a budget. Let me just tell you that. It's good for us to be on a budget. God's not on a budget, right? His resources, his favor, his power is unlimited. As I said earlier, it says his favor surrounds us as his shield, right? Like we, when we tap into the anointing of God, when we get connected to our shepherd, and of course there's blessings many different ways, and we've talked about many uh, uh, every week, but our cup will overflow with blessings. So as we close today, my question to you is, is the Lord only your Savior or is he your shepherd? You know, when we started out the, the, the scene from Superman, are you trusting the Lord to save you from, from the fire and like, okay, I got fire insurance and I'm good. I know I'm going to heaven. But is he the shepherd? Are you allowing him to shepherd your life day in and day out and in any, any area of your life? Have you surrendered to him totally as a dependent sheep. Remember, sheep are very dependent. Are you dependent totally upon the Lord? Or are you trying to be self-sufficient to get through the valleys of life? Until you do, you will have to find your way through the valleys rather than follow Jehovah Rahi on the path of righteousness along with green pastures and still waters. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me if you don't mind as we conclude. I didn't forget about verse 6 either. We're going to wrap it up here at verse 6. If you don't mind, unless you really have to go, if you don't mind moving around and not slipping out and stuff, I, I would appreciate it. it. Psalm 23, 6 says this, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I love this. And again, I think the New Living Translation does a good job here. Some translation says, Surely your goodness and kindness will follow me all the days. But actually, that's a more accurate uh, description. I love that his goodness and unfailing love pursues us. And that, that's where that song comes from. Uh, his reckless love pursues us all the days of our lives. The Lord's not just following us around. He's pursuing us. I know he pursued me until the day I surrendered right here at this altar almost 16 years ago now. But he's still pursuing me with his love, with his, with his healing, with his anointing, with his blessings. And then he says, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. There's only one way that you can live forever. And that's to have eternal life. And we know John 3.16 says that God loved you and me and the whole world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him 
That word believe means to trust. Whatever we believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life, our everlasting life. That word believe is the word trust. Like if you was jumping out of a plane and you had a parachute on your back, you wouldn't just believe with your head it's a parachute. You would jump out of that plane and trust that that parachute is going to save your life. So one, is the Lord your Savior? And is He your shepherd? Is He your Savior? Have you trusted in Christ to save your soul, to forgive you of your sins? Do you know where you're going to live for eternity? Because truthfully, all of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. The Bible makes it clear that when we pass from this earth, it's either heaven or hell. The Bible said it's appointed, appointed for a person to die once. After that comes judgment. There's no holding place. There's no in-between. But Jesus loved you so much that he, remember, laid down his life for you, that you can be forgiven, that you can be washed of your sins and know that you know that you know that you're going to spend eternity with the Lord. Do me a favor, if you wouldn't mind, every head bowed and every eye closed, you just bow your head and close your eyes and Father, believers would be praying. If today was your last day here on the planet, if you close your eyes tonight and breathe your last, where would you spend your eternity? David was convinced, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. He knew his God. He knew his shepherd that when he died, he was going to spend eternity in heaven. Do you know that? I remember my mom asking me, baby, if you died tonight, where would you go? And I remember telling her, mom, I don't know. And she said, if you don't know, it means you're probably going to the wrong place. And she was absolutely right. So I asked you the same question today. Is the Lord your Savior? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you said, Brandon, I'm not sure that that... I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord, but man, I, I don't know for sure, but I want to be sure. I want Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to be my savior today. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and we're going to pray together. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, young man. Hands in the back. Anybody else? I see your hand over here, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up. Sir, I see you in the back. Anybody else? Young man way in the back over there. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Hands going up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, the Lord wants to save you so you can shepherd you through this life and you can spend eternity with him. Okay, everyone that's got their hand lifted, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, again, trust in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So I want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith. Let's just all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for laying down your life for me. I thank you for the gift of salvation. I received that gift today. Now, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I ask you that you would forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me in Jesus' name. Give me the grace. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. I want you to be my shepherd, Lord, and I want you to be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's, let's give them a hand clap and give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Hey, for those of you that, that, that raised your hand, and, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew in front of you, green strip that says, I made a decision. Do me a favor, fill that card out. It'll only take about 30 seconds. And then on your way out, drop it off in the info center at the lobby. In the lobby, we, we have a Bible for you if you need a Bible. We want to get you some information. All right, and for the rest of us, as we go, come on, in any one of these areas, maybe you're going through a dark valley. Maybe you need peace or you need comfort or you've gotten off track in life and you need to recalibrate and get direction from the Lord. 
Maybe you, you, you want an increase of anointing and blessing in your life. If that's you, if any one of those, why don't you lift your hands to the Lord. And let's close in prayer. And let's just ask the Lord right now. Father, whatever it is, Lord, with all these hands going up, whatever it is on, on, on you shepherding, Lord, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that we would tap into the good shepherd and we would allow you to love us and shepherd us, see us through the valleys, protect, comfort, Lord, anointing, bless us. Thank you for your, your anointing and your blessing that overflows, that our cup is overflowing today. You are the good shepherd, Lord, and I know you will see us through. I know you love us. You are Jehovah Rahi. We love you, and I just pray that you continue to lead, guide, and help each and every one of my brothers and sisters May your grace be upon them. Meet every need that they have. Tend to their needs as the good shepherd that you are, Father. We thank you. We love you. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful day. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be down here to pray with you.